Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Real Window, rewatching random movies from our childhood. I am Pauline. And I'm Lisa. And we're two sisters who rewatch movies um, separately and then discuss them together. <laughs> um, this week, I got to pick the movie, which I will let Lisa discuss uh, in synopsize momentarily, but I feel like I need to do a little bit of like a corrections moment oh. um, from our trivia episode last week. We were talking about films done by John Grisham. Mm-hmm. And I said that James Caan was in the chamber. And I am wrong. <gasps> I was thinking Gasp. of something else. So I need to tell you what I was thinking about. There's, okay, <laughs> this is so important. Yes. This, I need everyone to know my justification here. <laughs> to be fair, they are all white middle-aged men. So mm. they, there's a similarity in a lot of ways. So I was picturing... The cover of the film, which is a man like kind of turned away and like brooding in a suit. That is actually the picture for the verdict. Not a film oh, with James Caan, right. but a film with Paul Newman. <laughs> but I thought James Caan, when I saw his profile and after we recorded our trivia episode, I was like, I need to look this up because I'm pretty sure I'm wrong. And the chamber... Actually, and it's you know they're they're the chamber, they're the verdict, the client, the firm. I There's mean, there's a running with, theme, guys. Right, it's the something or other. Anyway, so the chamber is, and I remembered it after I read the synopsis. It's with Gene Hackman and Chris uh, okay. O'Donnell, and oh. he's a racist grandfather right. on death row, and his son is Chris O'Donnell, and he's, and he's trying, trying to be to... a lawyer, and he's yeah. trying to get him uh, not exonerated, but get the uh, stay for his anyway for his execution. Stay for so his anyway. execution. Oh, I've never so, seen it, but I remember the trailer. But oh, it's hilarious. I love yes. where your train of thought has gone so, for all of this. White middle-aged men. <laughs> Sorry, guys, but you're fine. You have privilege up the wazoo. But um, that that was why. That was why it happened it, the way it did in my head. Please, all old white men look the same, Polly. <laughs> right? right? Well, <laughs> well, it's not not true. Um, <laughs> Okay, so so back to our film. Things over to Lisa. (laughs) The film this week was none of the movies that I had mentioned. It's The Mm. Client, a fantastic movie with Tommy Lee Jones and Susan Sarandon. Uh, Lisa, tell us tell us more. All right. So The Client, as Pauline uh, mentioned at the start, it is based on a John Grissom novel. It's about a young boy named Mark Sway, played by Brad Renfro. He and his brother are out uh, playing in the woods behind their trailer park, and they witness um, a man basically about to commit suicide in his car. And Mark interferes, and in doing so ends up in the car with the gentleman who then tells him why he's committing suicide. And it's because he's a lawyer who's working for the mob, and his client has confessed about where he has hidden a body of a senator. And he knows that basically he's going to get killed by this guy eventually for having that knowledge, and he's decided to take his own life instead. Mark manages to get away. The lawyer manages to commit suicide, and Mark is now on everyone's radar. The police want to question him because they think he might know more than he's telling. Uh, There's a very famous prosecutor who's looking for the body of Senator Boyd Boyette, um, this famous lawyer known as uh, the Reverend. Yes, <laughs> um, because he quotes Bible verses when he's in court like a classy guy is played by Tommy Lee Jones to perfection. 
And he basically wants to question Mark as well and use him to sort of step up and become the use this case to become the next governor. Um, at the same time, Mark's brother has gone into a coma, needs to be hospitalized. He and his mom are just getting by, just trying to handle the situation. And he manages to hire himself a lawyer played by Susan Sarandon called Reggie Love, a woman who has never done a case of this stature before, but she's going to do everything in her power to look after her client, protect her client, uh, whether it's from the mob, other lawyers, or the police. And it is fabulous, guys. This is a crime thriller uh, of a film with amazing performances. Uh, Pauline mentioned the trivia so that Susan Sarandon was nominated for an Academy Award for this performance. Uh, Well-deserved because she does a fabulous job in this film. You also have little side characters played by Will Patton um, and there's a cameo by William H. Macy of all people yes. which surprised me when he showed up on screen. I was like, whoa! You can tell um, it was before he was anybody and you're like, yes, hey! Yes. Hey, I'm going to have two lines. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm going to describe what PTSD is to you. And (laughs) And then I'm going to prescribe some Valium. And uh, Mark Sway's mother is played by Mary Louise Parker, also before she was kind of in a in any sort of any big thing. She sort of had bit roles at this time. If anyone doesn't know what she's from, she's from Weeds. Also, uh, the film Fried Green Tomatoes, which was a classic. And there's a movie that I'm sure Lisa recalls. We had the VHS for the client and there was a preview on our VHS (laughs) tape for another film. Starring Mary Louise Parker and Drew Barrymore and Whoopi Goldberg. Boys on the side. And in the trailer, <laughs> the Cranberries is playing and it yep. is amazing. And they're driving in a convertible. And uh, we don't really understand what any of the plot of the film is because we were not allowed to watch it. Nope. Um, nope. We were we were young. This movie came out in, uh, the client came out in 1995. So I was 10. Pauline was 9. And that preview was definitely for older audiences. But man, did it look fun. Those ladies looked like they were having a blast. Definitely. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> um, this movie, The Client, which Pauline chose, is one that we watched a lot when we were kids. We, we were super hooked on this one. Um, it's true. It was always a standby if we weren't sure what to watch. This was an easy sell from one or the other of us. Uh, and I haven't we seen We did have to so sell. We, no, often we, to sell. we often had to sell. We often had to sell each other. You had to do like an elevator kid. pitch. Hi, <laughs> right, Pauline, picture this. A film right. with a hunchback. <laughs> No, I like it. Damn it. I like it. A film where nothing happens for three hours and then there's a chariot race. Absolutely not. Veto. How dare you even put Ben Hur on the table, Lisa? Get out. Lisa, Um, you know that's a no. Stop it. Stop trying. Yeah, we had a system down. Anyways, we're going to be on a lot of tangents. I can already tell. Accept it, guys. This is how our episodes usually go. Uh, But Pauline, uh, how long has it been since you watched The Client? Has this one been a long one? It's been a long one for me. Yeah, I don't know the last time I saw it. I mean, you and I watched it so many times, but I feel like... I feel like I haven't seen it at least in the past 15 years. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I've seen it into my adulthood. I feel like maybe, maybe it was like 18, 19, but it's, it, cause it's not, That's, it's yeah. not anywhere. And I didn't own it on DVD, mm-hmm. like when I moved out of the house and stuff like that. So it just wasn't one that was in my, um, repertoire so yeah it wasn't in it wasn't in my wheelhouse either so i think it's been a long time for me too so pauline now yes. that you've had a chance to watch it would you like to start off our discussion um mm. by what were your thoughts as a kid were they accurate man i love this question for you uh because <laughs> it's usually the answer is usually no it's um, true <laughs> any scenes that stood out any things you were confused by any things that were super memorable that you loved what were your thoughts um 
remembering the client. Well, watching it now and knowing that I was close to the same age that Mark Sway was Mm. when this was all happening, I did not have the street smarts that this kid obviously (laughs) had. God, He knew a lot about the mob. He understood how it worked. And I was like, what's the mob? So much more (laughs) sheltered, a little white rich girl off in a... Totally. Not that that we were rich. You know, upper middle class, whatever. Well, we certainly weren't in Mark's class. We weren't in a trailer. We weren't in a trailer. We didn't have a single mom who was like constantly losing her jobs and trying to make ends meet. We we had a pretty stable We weren't referred to as indigent... That I was gonna say, that's a word I learned from this movie. I remember I Me had too. no clue what indigent meant, and I was very confused when, because when uh, Marksway's brother has to be hospitalized, his mom's like, "We don't have health insurance," and Saint he's like, and the officer who's taking them is like, "Don't worry, Saint Peter's takes all the indigent cases." And I remember being like, "What? Totally. What does that mean? What does that mean? Huh. Especially being in Canada, where it's like someone needs to go to the hospital." Obviously, they just go. Yeah, so you, there's a you lot walk in. More. This kid needs to be hospitalized. <laughs> Those are open to the public. So, yeah, it's definitely a different thing in Canada. But, yeah, no, that is so indigent. But I noticed things like little things. So, like, mm. as a kid, I didn't – it's almost like I didn't hear that word when he was explaining it. Like, when he says, that's okay, St. Mark's takes all – St. Peter's takes all the indigent cases. And it just kind of came up when Mark then asked the officer, what does indigent mean? And in my head, I'm like, where did that come from? So like, (laughs) I feel like I just miss these like little subtleties Okay. as a kid watching it. Mm. Um, But other than that, I like, I knew who the bad guys were. I understood why Mark wasn't saying anything. Like he wasn't telling anybody anything. I didn't really get why he lied to the police initially. So for anyone who Mm. didn't see it, Mark tells the police that he stumbled across the body with his brother. And the reality, as Lisa said, is that he talked to him and he was scared. He didn't, he was just scared. He didn't want to tell anybody. He didn't know know what kind of trouble he was going to get in. He obviously knew that Jerome Clifford, the lawyer who committed suicide was working for the mob. So he, there's a fear there. And I, I guess the way well, of it confused me. I guess also like, I mean, and too, like he's been told the whereabouts of a body that, this information is why the lawyer is killing himself. So that's clearly yes. information that he shouldn't know and shouldn't tell anyone. It's dangerous but I'm with you. As a kid, I was just like, but the police. But yeah, you but always then, tell yeah, the police you, everything. That's what we were taught. And then this movie was like, maybe you don't tell the police everything. Hmm. Totally. Because, okay, so like little things, like I was so impatient and I feel like it mm-hmm. wasn't just me. <laughs> I think it was younger. It's younger children. <laughs> but I was so impatient to find out what was going on. So for example, now, for those of us who are listening who don't know, um, our dad is a lawyer. And generally, if there's, a, if there's a question about legality or a crime, and dad was in the room while a movie was going on, it would be an immediate question to dad. Like, I wouldn't wait mm-hmm. to find out the answer from the film. I'd be like, <laughs> can he do that? And dad would be like, no. And I'd be like, great. Thanks, dad. So, like, so for example... The, this cop played by Will Patton he does such an amazing job because you don't trust this cop so like lesson takeaway mm-hmm. number one as a kid I was like I do not like this man I no. do not trust him not he's at all. mean he's not nice like he's not he's purposefully he just... scaring Mark to like get yes. him to say things like he's telling him horrible things he's about what could happen to him and his like, family jail electric chair kid side electric chair and I, that was a moment where I was like is there a kid's eye electric chair? <laughs> totally. And dad's like, no. And I'm like, okay, thanks, dad. And then continue. <laughs> and then, so there's this scene where, and it becomes an important scene that later you find out in the movie that you know that they can't do this, um, where he lifts a Sprite can that Mark 
that he had given Mark is like a deceitful gesture. Yeah, he basically was like, here, have a can of pop while we talk just out in the hallway here. Yeah. Yeah. And then was like, I'm just going to take this back. And so then they match the prince in the car to the prince on the sprite can. And they know Mark was in the car. And as he's lifting the sprite can, I was like, what's he doing? He's getting it for Prince. <laughs> Is he allowed to do that? And I don't even think it was me who asked that because that's too high level a question. I think it was JM who was like, Is he even allowed? And dad was like, No. And I was like, Okay, got it. He's not allowed to do that. He's not <laughs> trustworthy. And then, like, obviously, it comes out later that it, they couldn't, it's not admissible. Hence yeah. why. Anyway, yeah. so it just, all these little, like, sneaky things going on in the film. I definitely was either too impatient to wait for the answer or I just didn't get them at all. Mm. Um, Like I was confused. So they mentioned Memphis a lot and then they mentioned Mm -hmm. New Orleans a lot because they're in Memphis, but the mob is in New Orleans. And and the the dead body, the Senator Boyd is related to New Orleans as well. Is in New Orleans. And the lawyer is from New Orleans and he grew up in Memphis and that's why he's driving there to go kill himself. And so I remember being confused when they were talking, like there was a lot of talking about, oh, the mob is in town. Like these two are in town kind of a thing. They're not just in. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they've arrived as an adult. You obviously know that they've arrived for like a bad reason, but the, the geographical logistics to me as a kid was very confusing. I didn't, Mm. I don't know why it kind of displaced so much to me, but it did. I remember being like, who's in town? Which one? Because they're also they like briefly mentioned, and they mm-hmm. all just look sketchy AF. So I just yeah, every like, every mobster you look at, and you're like, nope, don't trust that guy. Oh, no, don't trust that guy either. Nope, no. And like <laughs> his name is Barry the Blade. Yeah, clearly he shouldn't be trusted either. I don't think he's trustworthy either. <laughs> but there's a private investigator they hire, and he's like oh. sketchier looking than everyone else almost. And I'm like, I, how does I this guy fit in anywhere? So creepy as a kid. So I found the private investigator. I was like, I don't like the private. Yeah investigator he makes me very uncomfortable (laughs) so he's very so we've been watching it i don't even i don't even think as a kid i understood he was a private investigator Mm -hmm. i just knew he was one of the bad like he's bad he's just one of the bad guys Mm -hmm. like you just know you know as a kid you just lump them into you're like here's the bad guys here's the good guys we want the good guys to win and really the only good guys in this movie are like susan sarandon because like everyone else is also like mistreating mark except for his mom sorry Susan Sarandon and her and her his mom are obviously good, and all the people in the hospital. But like the big <laughs> ones, Reverend Roy, you know he's actually a good guy, but he's behaving mean to Mark, and you don't like that as totally. a kid. As that a kid, really you're matters. Like, you're like, why are you being so mean? He's a little kid. You should just leave him alone and let him be with his mom. And then totally, yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of that I didn't understand. I didn't really understand like why he had to go to jail. Like there's yeah. a few. I understand why I went to jail. So what it was is um, because Mark isn't telling the prosecutors anything, uh, uh, they are getting very frustrated. Tommy Lee Jones wants this sorted. He wants it solved. He's basically manipulating one of the members of the FBI into sort of overstepping what should be in his jurisdiction to allow him to have Mark Sway basically arrested for his own protection. He's put in a woman's prison correctional facility to keep him safe because they know that the mob is in town and they can use that as well as the fact that he's kind of obstructing justice. So all of that combined means they can take him away temporarily from his mom until it's all sorted. Um, As a kid, you just know Mark's going to jail. And you're just like, why? Yeah. But he's a little kid. Why would he be in jail? And even though the prison warden's quite kind to him, even though he mm-hmm. has like an entire jail cell ward to himself, it's still quite disturbing as a kid that this is something that could happen. Could and happen. That, and that Tommy yes. Lee Jones, because he's because Reverend Roy is kind of fudging the lines that he should be within. And because he's manipulating this FBI guy, like 
while he's basically trying to win a case and and find out information so he can prove that Barry the Blade murdered this senator, he's also doing it in a way that doesn't seem fair. That you're just right. like, this seems like it's not quite by the book. They're basically scrambling for any reason they can because, you know, they're lawyers. They're maneuvering maneuvering within the system in order to, you know, have it in their favor. And as a kid, you're just like, but that that doesn't make any sense. He's clearly a bad person. As an adult, you're like, he's not bad. He's not behaving great, but he's, right. he's not like a bad man. He's no. doing his job very well. It just comes across as utterly arrogant and a bit um, sketchy. Yes. Not exactly Manipulative. on the level. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which, to be fair, that's, that's why there's that's, that's kind so of how, many loops, yeah. loopholes in the law that get people in and out of jail. <laughs> and that's the whole point. So, that's the whole point all the time. But yeah, exactly. obviously as a kid. That went over my and, head. And all the legalese, right? Yes. And they're sort of researching when yep. they're looking for precedent so that they can have Mark Sway arrested, right? Like they're going, that's what you can do when, when you're a lawyer, right? You you base a lot of your actions. If they're not necessarily the norm, you can base it on precedent. If any at any point in any case uh, previous to that year, like the current event, current time, you find another lawyer where a judge ruled in their favor for doing such and such, you can then use that to back up your argument. And so that's what they're doing. They're combing through law books to find rulings that'll support what they want to do. As a kid, you're just like, there's a lot of research happening. Oh, oh no, they, they arrested Mark. That's 100% <laughs> it. Like, I, I, the words are so big in that mm -hmm. scene, and they're so complicated. And the ideas in themselves, obviously, it's the law, right? It's this convoluted process. Thing where they're, yeah. Right? And so as a kid, I was just like, there's a lot of books and a lot of talking. <laughs> How could Mark's go into jail? <laughs> totally. Like, oh, maybe it's related to that scene it, with all the talking that I didn't Clearly what they're talking to. about is sending Mark away. I can't quite fathom how, but they're doing right. it. And the judge who I like is agreeing. So I right. guess it works. <laughs> totally. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. Which is, it's and like, well, I like the judge. I like so. the judge. So I guess this is fair. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't lie. Oh, man. It's He's funny a good a guy. Kid. It's funny as a kid who how you in inexplicably you trust certain characters. You're like, this character is clearly good. This character is clearly nice. This character is clearly has his best interests at heart. No matter what they say, I'll believe them. Whereas anyone else, you're like, no. Totally. I can't trust that character no matter what they're doing. And I can't put my finger on it. <laughs> I can't always explain. I just know it's bad. I just don't like they give me a wrong vibe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're definitely that. That's how that works as a kid. Yeah, I'm with you. The legalese was tricky. Um, the mob, I had a vague enough concept about the mob, I think, because just of JM. JM had watched movies about them before and sort of had yeah, like of information, yes. but definitely not understanding all the nuances. Like at the end, so Barry the Blade is basically a lower level member of the, the mafia. And the really, the only reason they're kicking this idiot, the keeping this idiot around is because he's the son of like the head mobsters. He's the sister. Uncle. Like that's oh, basically yes. it's it's Sorry, he's yes. he's basically his uncle, right? And so 
he's doing it as like out of memory for his sister keeping this screw up around and as a kid you don't quite get the nuances you just know he's angry at him you know he's frustrated yeah. with how he's behaving bury the blades kind of he's very showy he makes foolish rash decisions and it's kind of it's why he's in hot water it's why you know so much focus is on this senator who's gone missing and at the end it's basically he's done one too many screw-ups and the mobster's like he's like let me just go i'm gonna move the body their whole goal was to move the body of senator boyd boyette out of a, a spot just in case mark knew the location they should move it so that if he tells the police it doesn't mean anything but it gets foiled by their attempt to move it by uh, Mark and Reggie, Susan Sarandon's character. And that was basically his last chance. So then when he begs his uncle to let him go move the, the body again, his uncle tells him to take two of the mobster buddies with him for company. And then is basically like, oh, no, we don't want you to have any risks. There'll be no more risks from you. And gives him this very intimidating sort of shoulder hug. And where what, he like grabs his neck grabs like his shoulder, neck, hug, shoulder like, hug and then grabs his neck and yeah. is looking at him super intently and as a kid i'm like he's still angry as an adult you're like oh barry the blade's dead oh yeah barry so, the blade is dead and barry knows he's dead <laughs> they he's, all know he's dead i as a kid i think i honestly just thought it's like no more risk he basically was like nope nothing for you you're totally you're, like you're out oh for sure no i 100 <laughs> percent. i didn't think oh he's dead it was very much that hmm He's really you upset with you. <laughs> you don't understand that he's calling a hit out yeah. in that moment. That's in that not, moment and that no. he's basically surrounded by sharks and he's about to yeah. eat shark food. Like that's yeah. that's how that's going. As a kid, 100%. you're just like, huh. Yeah. I'm glad he's in trouble with his uncle because he's not a nice man. And that's, exactly. that's exactly with that scene. Which is funny because I actually, like I didn't like the uncle, but I remember because Barry is like the, the bad guy of the movie. Obviously mm -hmm. his uncle is like, a worse bad guy. I mean, they are the mob. But but I didn't dislike the uncle as much as I disliked Barry. I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't dislike him at all as a kid. I was okay, like, great. Mm. oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> no, no, I, was like, I, I don't want to say it. No, no, I actually true. liked him. I'm like, yep. he seems like he's responsible and knows he's on he's the doing. level. He's very straightforward. <laughs> he, he actually he understands tells, what's happening. He tells Barry what it is and when he's upset with him. And that's very, you know, like it's just very. For he's me, very clear. Like, he seems to run a well organized. He's very organized. He runs a good organization. This they guy do... seems like he should be in charge. It is organized <laughs> crime. So totally. He would be the man for the job. No, his I, re I respected yep. him. I as a kid, totally. as a kid, I'm like, I respect the oh, uncle. <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that because I was like, I don't want to say that I liked him. We just oh, no. on this tangent I'll of, of you know. Kids are funny about their intuition. And then I was like, the big mob boss is just fine. <laughs> totally. I was totally also the kid going, eh, he gets a pass. He seems yeah, good. <laughs> 100%. I didn't dislike him. He was just like, Barry was the bad guy. Barry and, um, so there's one, there's one other mob member who actually quite scared me as a kid. He's Gronko. Gronky. Or Gronky. Gronky, sorry. And he has a very distinct mole above his eyebrow. And he basically is the one who tries to kill Mark in the hospital when a hit is called out on Mark and his family. Uh, the first time, though, you meet him, he threatens Mark. He scares him alone in an elevator at night in that same it's hospital. very scary. He's dressed as a doctor. As a kid, I'm like, this is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen. And he holds like a blade to Mark's back. And he tells him that if he says anything, he's going to kill Mark and his mom and his brother. And then he leaves him and Mark's left like, you know, a shivering wreck in this elevator. And then he's like, I don't want to talk to anybody. And so he tells Reggie the next moment you see him, he's he's telling his lawyer, I don't want to talk to the FBI. I don't want to talk to the police. You have to stall them as you get them out. And as a kid, I was like, absolutely, you do. 
go, Reggie, tell them that he can't talk to the FBI. He's going to die. Um, but that scene was very intimidating. And then the next time you see him again, the lighting's very interesting. Oh. It's like a reddish blue light in the elevator. And then it's a red orange light when he's in the hospital the second time. And, and Mark snuck back in. He's supposed to be in prison, but he managed to, to fake in a, a, a basically a, a medical emergency. So he's brought back to the hospital. And he looks down the hallway because he's sneaking and he sees Gronky just in the shadows. And it takes him a moment to register who it is and to register this guy's very familiar mole. And in that moment, then he figures it out and he runs. He bolts. And as a kid, I was like, that is the scariest thing ever. Because then he's trying to outrun him. He ends up in, the, in basically the morgue posing as a dead body to hide from the mob like i just as a kid like a mark is brilliant mark is is the smartest child alive so smart and b what the hell totally (laughs) how he dekes out gronky with like the freezer like everything Mm -hmm. about it i was like mark i'd be dead like i'd be dead i I, I would have been a dead little child i I also would have told the police everything right like i would be dead from the beginning like (laughs) I would have done it. Everything. Mark I wouldn't have me, made it to opposite. protective custody. Nope. I would not nope. have made it to protective custody. No, nope. it would have wouldn't been the have tragedy made it to of... a lawyer. Would have been dead way before. Hundred percent. So this yeah, child no, I... is so street smart, He's and it's amazing. Than I am. Yeah. But, and it's believable, um, though. He's a believable smart kid. Like, I was like, he's totally, got it is, street smarts for Because it is street smarts. That's what it is, right? And he's sneaky, and he doesn't... And he has, like, you know, he, he goes um, into a very long... You find out as the movie progresses um, why his father's not around, and how his father was a drunk and used to beat them, and and Mark had to, like, be, like, the man of the house kind of a thing, and, and where his mistrust comes in and why he doesn't trust adults and like he finds out that reggie used to be an alcoholic he used to she had to go to like a treatment center and when he finds that out he lashes out immediately at her Mm -hmm. because he has such a strong distrust for anyone who's an addict based on his own experiences with his father mm-hmm. being an alcoholic who'd come home and beat them with a baseball bat. And, and it's, so, and it's only because Mark stood up and in court talked about all the beatings that his dad became his ex dad because yes, um, awesome. uh, my ex father, um, because he has a very great Southern accent. Oh my God. I'm not making so fun. good. I love no, it was so Mark's good. That was great though. When you said it, I was like, that's exactly how he says it. Yeah. He says it with such disdain and he's explaining that it's, it's, if it wasn't uh, for him, his dad would probably still be around. And he was the one who basically got on the stand and said everything because he's that kind of kid who's very protective of his family. And, very much knows when to say stop when this is enough i'm done um and he uses that smarts for what it's like to be in a courtroom because he's been in it before what it's like to have to trust certain adults and not trust others and he does have those knee-jerk reactions but his instincts for the most part tend to be pretty accurate i remember as a kid i was upset when he lashed out at reggie because she had just done something very brave um susan sarandon basically as i said he comes running in the next day they have an appointment with um reverend roy and the fbi to be questioned and mark suddenly comes out of nowhere and tells her to cancel it and he refuses to say anything else and she has to stand up to this like army of lawyers and feds and she's you know only been practicing law for like what three years yeah two years or something like two that. years yeah. and as i said this is not the typical case she does and she has to use every bit of her intelligence to to have them back off and she does a great job but you can tell 
this is a lot. This is she's intimidating. This is out of her element. The fact that she's able to hold her own is miraculous. And she's like ready to like she's so upset with Mark to have put her in that position. And then she she's goes like, into the she turns around. She's like, I'm gonna kill that kid. <laughs> totally. After taking a breath, after being what any human would do of just okay, inhale, exhale. And uh, Mark's dead. Mark's dead. And then she goes into the office and he's snapping at her despite the fact that she's just done this amazing legal maneuver and outmaneuvered reverend roy who's in talks to be like a governor and who's the the da of louisiana um and basically they he just you know for her it's because he's overheard reverend roy saying that he knew she was in treatment and that's it that's like the done deal for him and she has to prove herself again to him and as a kid i'm like why is he yelling at reggie she just did all this for him i'm like totally. Mark, no she's like the one good person go apologize um it actually very much upset me whenever he'd get mad at reggie because she was such a good character because she was such a fighter such a great person she worked so hard but it's believable and it makes their bond that much more credible when they do mm-hmm. start to connect and everything else, because it's based on actual vulnerability and trust um, as the movie progresses. So you buy just how much both of them end up caring for each other by the movie's end. So it works really great. But as a kid, you were just like, Oh my God. Well, and he really opens up to her mm-hmm. when she, when, cause he, he ends up over at her house cause he's run away. Then reporters try to chase him. So he gets in her car because she has chased him down. And now she's driven him to her house with her mom. And so he's stuck there after trying to hitchhike and then encountering the private investigator and then like running back in the house. And while there, she's asking him, I, I don't remember what the question is, but he's like, why am I always the one who asks She asked him what, what um, the lawyer said to him in the car. Because that's what everyone why wants to know. Why you ever have to answer questions? And then she's like, all right, that's fair. Ask me something. And so then... They talk about how she's got kids and how her kids got taken away and why she became an addict. She was actually stuck on Percocet because her husband, who was a doctor, prescribed them to her and then she got addicted and then he took the kids away. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's very tragic. It's, and it's like just this, such a heartbreaking vulnerable it is. story. And it, but it's, it's a beautiful mm-hmm. vulnerability that she has. I can understand completely why she was nominated for this Oscar. And then that is incentive enough for Mark to then be like, he told me where the body's buried. I want to tell you, but I can't. And then she realizes that they've threatened him and he's scared. He confesses that he's scared. And it's, and it's the first time in the amazing. movie he does so because he's this kid who's had to be tough about everything he's always been the one who's looked after his mom and his little brother he had to grow up super fast he's had to prove that he's this tough kid against he's had to hold his own against police officers and lawyers and everything else and this is the first time in the movie that he admits that he's just a scared kid mm-hmm. and it's uh, as Pauline said it's a beautiful moment in the movie it's a really great piece of acting from both of them it's great chemistry between them it's probably one of my favorite scenes as a kid totally. as soon as it was coming up i'm like oh i love this scene i know me too as a as, an, as a so kid good. it totally wrapped me up i loved both of them i wanted both of them to be okay um i just thought they handled it really well the other great vulnerable scene that always made me really sad as a kid is reggie because mark's been thrown in jail and she's really upset about it she's trying to look for her notes from law school mm. and she goes to the garage to look for them at her mom's place and 
she, in her haste, because she's like frustrated, she's overtired, she's tossing boxes, she goes back to pick up something that she's tossed that is spilled out. And it's full of her kids' belongings, like a little baby shoe and like a little clay piece that has like a handprint in it. And she just starts crying. Mm. And as a kid, I remember, even as a kid, I got it. I was like, she misses totally. her children. Why doesn't she? She's so nice. Why can't she have her kids? I know. Like, Reggie was so mm-hmm. nice to me as a kid. Like, I was like, I would hire Reggie. Like, Reggie is my person. I wanted Reggie I remember, in my life. I, loved, I was yeah, like, I was Reggie like, Reggie's is, amazing. is the lawyer I'd want for everything. She's the friend I'd want for everything. She's such a strong, wonderful, amazing character who protects Mark from everything. She does her best gives up so much just to make sure he's okay and as a kid you recognize that and so she was just this amazing adult who was so credible and so kind and so tough one of the things about her too was Mm. mark kept lying to everybody and he kept lying to her he would only tell Mm -hmm. her half truths when he when he did want to and as a result, what ends up happening is she's constantly being blindsided by information totally. that other people have about Mark that she doesn't know because Mark hasn't told her and she doesn't have a host of investigators. So what is so awesome about her as well is, is that when she finds out that Mark's lied to her like again and again. And again and it's, again. It's, she's frustrated, but she's not mad. Like she doesn't. She's like, you got to tell me what's going on. But then, like, she doesn't abandon him. Like, he, No, she doesn't, then, like, dismiss him as a client ever. Yeah, like, yeah. she's like, you have to tell me what's happening. And kind of, like, earns his trust slowly by liking Led Zeppelin and all mm-hmm. these things that kind of make her relatable to him. But he, she's the only, the only character outside of his mom in the film who who doesn't just be like, tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth. Like, there's no pressuring, I who guess, puts, the same way yeah, it is with the Yeah, who others. puts the same pressure on or... Anytime she does question him, it's very clear she's asking because it's for his benefit. It's never for her benefit, really. It's so that she can do her job properly to look after him. Yeah. Um, and as we said, she, it's true. It's impressive. It's impressive to have her. She can get frustrated with him. She can be annoyed. She can be intimidated. But she never, ever dismisses him or gets so angry that she doesn't want to help him anymore. Which right. Or like gives very, up on him. Which would very easily happen. Right. And well, especially and in film, too. And what's happened to this character for his whole life mm-hmm. is that being strong for everyone else. And so anyway, it's just this really amazing dynamic that the two of them just develop by the end of the film. That's like the best thing and to watch. I think it's why we gravitated to this movie so much. I mean, there's lots of reasons, but I think the core relationship, the vulnerability, the way that they're written, the way as a kid, seeing this adult protect a kid this way and seeing this kid be so strong, like there is, it's very appealing to mm-hmm. watch as a child and be like, totally. this, is, this is amazing. And that there's um, like a good person out there who's looking out for your best interest. And they're like, oh my God, really? Oh my God, that's, that's amazing. That person's out there too oh, i love it and they're not yeah. your parents yeah like, right <laughs> right i should i should clarify our parents were that it's not like we were just abandoned <laughs> and i didn't know what trust was yeah okay yeah no we've definitely got that like in other uh, adults <laughs> other humans. you're not related to yeah. um the only other thing for me as a kid, I remember loving, um, so Reggie always wears this necklace. It's a compass. And it's because her, it was her mother's compass. Her mom's great, by the way. She's called Mama Love. And I love everything about her. I also love Reggie's assistant. He's oh, the kindest, sweetest assistant ever. He's, he's hilarious. So great. And he's for anyone so who doesn't great. know who he is, he's the guy who wears glasses in the TV show ER. Yes. Um, yeah. 
and that's how I know who he is. Yeah. I don't know his name. I couldn't. Tell I don't know his name, and head, that's the but... only thing I know him from too. But I just he's great too. He's very supportive of Reggie. He's like a voice he's of also reason. Sarcastic. He's so sarcastic. He's wonderful. Anyway, Which we always appreciate. Any sarcastic character is fun by us. I mean, come on. That's how, generally speaking. That's how we roll. Yeah. Um, but she wears this necklace because she's lost her way before. She's been an addict. She's struggled. And so this compass that belonged to her mom, she always keeps around her neck. She never takes it off. And at the end of the film, the sweetest thing ever, she gives it to Mark. So he'll never lose his way again. And as a kid, I was like, I want a compass necklace. Of course you. Oh, my I God. I demand a compass necklace. Lisa, as a child, everyone, you need to understand, Lisa was like a raven. Just like shiny (laughs) things. Lisa just wanted to collect. She would do it with my belongings, with JM's (laughs) belongings, with mom's belongings. Lisa would just Uh, be like, Ben's belongings. She was like kind of a klepto in a way. Like, so. Uh, But they had to have some sort of emotional meeting so it's really funny Mom i am, I am totally therefore a i will take it well, or it would fit into my weird brain of like this is just like that locket from this cartoon i loved that i've always wanted therefore it means more and i should have it um whatever it may be i would usually have a backstory for whatever shiny trinket right. i took it held meaning in my head as it's why as an adult now i buy lots of jewelry that's like from comic expo and like hmm, this is the ring from the hobbit um <laughs> then it's like there it has a different meaning for me or it's something that like a friend gave me and therefore it has emotional resonance I'm not totally shallow um but I am still in love with shiny things as a kid absolutely I was totally in love with shiny things in my head I'm like a compass so you always know your way so I can think of this emotional moment I demand a compass necklace (laughs) totally you never got it but at least you demanded it actually I got a compass necklace at Disneyland I found one and I bought it and I wore it for so long and then it rusted I wore it so much it rusted it was really a cheap yeah I oh loved it. my gosh that's adorable yeah. that you did yeah. that I am I have my moments of being a weird little adorable kid uh anything else you would like to add in our takeaways Pauline before we um, the only other thing that I didn't really get was the mm. PTSD of his brother Ricky totally. and it was I think one of the things I realized it when I was watching it as an adult was that Mark seems like he's handling it so fine. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like in my head, I was like, why isn't Ricky able to cope <laughs> the way Mark is coping? Do you know what I mean? Totally. So like the nuance of their roles and the older brother and what he's like, that was definitely lost. But I remember being genuinely like, what, what has happened? Because they do say he's like in a coma, but his eyes are open and he's sucking his mm-hmm. thumb. So I remember as a being kid, it just was strange. Very confused. Yeah. And obviously, you know, as an adult, he's got PTSD from seeing a guy blow his brains out. Which and I think even as an adult, I may have. I, as a child. A hundred percent. And after your brother was like taken into a car that was filling with carbon monoxide gas and you think he's going to die and then doesn't. And then that guy kills himself. Like there's a lot going on. I definitely. <laughs> it's an intense opener. Not guys. only would I not. Yeah, it's very intense opening. Not only would I not like make it the way Mark did like through to the end of this movie I would be Ricky like I'd be Ricky (laughs) in the hospital there'd be no story if Pauline encountered this I would just be in a hospital bed sucking my and they would be wondering why this child had PTSD totally because there'd be no one answer yep (laughs) so anyway that's that was the only other thing I get that I totally get that very like I know Mm -hmm. he's not well but I don't understand why he can't snap out of it why and his eyes was... are open and he's sucking his thumb and he can't just take his thumb like, out of his mouth and just blink. 
Like, yeah, and, it's and cool. just stand up and walk <laughs> and then leave. You're fine. As I recall, his legs were not injured. Yeah, in exactly. Any way, shape, or form. Uh, exactly. I totally get that. I totally get that too. All right. Hashtag, well, hashtag mental health awareness. Yeah, guys, okay. it's very serious. We get it. We it promise. Is. As children, it's harder to grasp that. As an adult, we get. We totally understand. We get it. It's you. true. Okay. Um, all right. So, Pauline, uh, was there anything offensive or anything that didn't age well that you clocked in this film? Well, it's weird in the 90s watching people smoke in a hospital. Oh, my God. Yes. I was like, <laughs> how's that allowed? Like, very His casually. mom's like, just casually having smoking? cigarettes down the hallway as she's talking to Reggie I'm in the like, middle of the hospital. This is the different time. So that was like. I wouldn't say that that's either offensive, like, but it just, as it aged, yes. Know what's different? <laughs> hey, 30 years ago, you could smoke in a hospital. And everyone was can't. cool with it. Yeah, no one thought that was a bad idea. In fact, probably a lot of the doctors did it in between yeah. their shifts. They were like, oh, God, I need a cigarette. This is stressful. And you're like, mm, totally. Okay. So anyway, that was just a moment where I was like, wow, that's weird to see. <laughs> um, but other, other offensive, not so much. There's um, some obvious sexism that Reggie has to deal with um, that I, find, I found, like, obviously there's this writing off that Mark has of her initially right off the bat. Cause she's a, Cause woman, she's a lawyer. woman lawyer. Yeah. And so like, she obviously proves that wrong and then he's fine with her. Uh, but he says like things like, even though she is a woman, she's pretty darn good. Like he says that to his brother <laughs> in the coma. <laughs> so it's like, there's always this like Reggie's good for a woman. Even though in reality, she's good for anyone. She's good. <laughs> she's, amazing. she's amazing. It's it's more like she's good for a lawyer who's only two years out of law school. I totally. Think that's more of what what the hell? So there's that. And then like the private investigator, when he's followed Mark to Reggie, Reggie's house and the mob has come and they're discussing what to do. The private investigator says he's in there, but you got to have to deal with the two bitches. And it's like, okay, can we just, (laughs) why do we have to use such a shitty term? I mean, there's, you got to deal with the women. I mean, but they're, they're, they're the bad guys. That's true. They dehumanize. So exactly. So there's, there was nothing that I was able, like that I, recall i feel like there's moments when like tommy lee jones is kind of like that's a nice suit reggie <laughs> like they because they <laughs> yeah, have this they have this excellent sort of sparring that they yeah, do this banter like them. so it's oh man there's drop dead sexism. <laughs> drop dead boy like yes and then the judge is like okay you do um so but i wouldn't i wouldn't say it was offensive it's just kind of like oh that's that's a female in a working man's world yeah yep. like it's like that's and your role to me it was very true to life i was like yeah, yeah that seems about right that it's not offensive it's, it yeah. sucks it sucks but i'm just like way to hold your own woman yeah. these are all assholes exactly um what about you Did totally you, was the, there anything the only thing that you haven't mentioned is and it's very very minor but um in an attempt to wake up his brother mark is being very goofy and is <sighs> doing his air oh. guitar and stuff and then he grabs a bunch of ice cubes and he's like look look uh uh, it's an Eskimo pissing and he starts pretending he's pissing ice cubes and Eskimo is a very outdated term we do not use it anymore they are Inuits <laughs> so um, and it's a very offensive term for a lot of people of that uh, of the Inuit and so just it's that's the only thing that I'm like oh that's an aged word that totally. should not be used anymore but again it's very minor and it would be very accurate to the time in the 90s you would and say that phrase and he's a little not only to the 90s kid. he's 11 in yeah. southern United States I feel like exactly. they don't know the difference between the Iroquois and the Inuit <laughs> the Huron I don't think that they're getting the same 
the same uh, the same nuances there nuances, of indigenous yes, cultures of indigenous cultures in Canada <laughs> and the north I don't think that they're talking about those so anyway well you never know but anyway so it's just again it was just a little blip and but again it, it's it's not like it was super offensive it's just be aware that that term is used yes that's kind of it that's the only thing i clocked otherwise you you got everything what about the bechtel test pauline uh, it does yeah it, it totally does, pass. does it's, it's great, great. <laughs> and what's nice about it i feel like this is okay so the bechtel test is there have to be two named female characters in the film who mm. talk to each other and when they talk to each other it has to be about something other than a man or men and I feel like this is one of the first times where the the conversation between the two women isn't particularly long. And there's a couple of them. And there's kind of these interactions that they have as Reggie and then um, Mark Sway's mom. Is it Diane? I think it's Diane. Yeah. Diane Sway. So anyway, so the thing about the two characters is not only do they talk to each other, but they're actually both like strong, badass women. Mm like really great female characters in their own right. Whereas mm-hmm. like in previous episodes for anyone um, where I'm my, what my point is, is like we watched midnight run and we were debating about whether the momentary phone mm-hmm. conversation from two women off screen who are named, who say a sentence to each other on the telephone counts. And yep. it, that's, that kind of defeats the purpose of the Bechdel test. It's like, hey, you got to give well-rounded female characters a chance. And totally. what's nice is that this movie, you have two very prominent female characters and you have Reggie and her mom as yeah, well. Mama Love, who again, they have very entertaining conversations. It's a very true dynamic of a mom and, and daughter dynamic. Yeah. So they're quite entertaining how they talk to each other. Yeah. Um, it fe- again, feels very genuine. It feels like totally. a very genuine relationship. And even though you don't get as much development of Mama Love, you also don't feel like she's just a one note either. And it makes sense because I mean, Reggie's such a strong character. She'd have to have a strong mom. <laughs> Totally, totally. So no, it was. It passes flying colors. Mm-hmm. I was really so nice. happy. Yeah, I actually, really nice. I actually wrote yes before watching the movie because I Me remembered too. the conversations between Reggie and uh, Mark Sway's mom, and I just was like, I'm just gonna put yes because I you know that, that she wants a White House with a walk-in, with a walk-in closet. closet. Yep, which is such a great little dream. It is All a great right. dream. Awesome. Okay, awesome. Well, Pauline, then do what do you feel about this movie after watching after so long do you still love it do you recommend it what would you rate it out of 10 um so yes yes absolutely it's honestly it's great i you know saw that i feel like it on uh, rotten tomatoes like it doesn't have a, a wonderful score i feel like it's in the 70s or the mm. 60s and to be honest i'm disappointed i almost want to like make everyone rewatch it again and be like guys why this is <laughs> totally. a superior film than what you're all saying it is because it's very well acted i find it very well written there's a couple of things with the script that generally tend to happen i find in the movie adaptations of grisham's novels because the endings usually are either they're they're just not the action-filled climaxes mm-hmm. that tend to satisfy moviegoers when they're watching films and so I find that kind of how they wrap up like so perfectly and nicely with this There's nice little, little bow mm-hmm. is just kind of like, oh, okay, that's a bit, it's a bit too perfect. So there's a, a few things with the writing and the story that I find um, there's a bit of a hole there or something kind of missing, I guess. There's a bit of a grit lacking by the end of the film, I find. But overall, the story, the concept, the the ideas behind like why mm-hmm 
Barry even killed Senator Boyd Boyette is explained. Like it's, there's really great. That's the nice thing about when they do adapt movies um, from well-written books is you, you have this like layer to the characters Mm. that I think comes more when you have a really good adaptation. So I loved it. I thought it was great. Rewatching it was wonderful. I'm obviously sure it was biased with nostalgia, (laughs) but um, Susan Sarandon's amazing. Like honestly, I would, I, I tell everybody, Every woman ever to watch this movie, especially little girls, I'd be like, okay, mm-hmm. fifth, not little girls, maybe 15, watch this movie and see what a badass <laughs> bitch this woman is. Um, so I would say out of 10, probably like an 8.5, maybe a mm. 9. Yeah, it's pretty high. I'd yeah, say it's yeah. pretty high up there. And uh, I think I'd recommend it to anyone who, you know, obviously if you've read John Grisham, if you like, um, this one's not really a courtroom drama, but it's like a no, crime. No, it's more of like a crime thriller, thriller. Yeah. mystery kind of. They're trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to solve this massive problem. So there's, it's like, and, a, you, and don't... you don't know where the body's buried either. Yes. You want to figure out where this mobster has buried this exactly. body. Exactly. And what that entails, too, for sure. And you yeah. want to see how Mark's going to get out of all of these very and how, sticky situations. And how Reggie will help him. How yes. Reggie helps get him out, too. Like, the pair yes. of them, you want to see them succeed. And the cleverness. Definitely. Because they're so clever, you're like, there's going to be a clever way to get out of this. I want to see what happens. Yeah. And there is. Mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely one where you you can't figure out how it's going to end. It's, it's really nice that way. You don't mm-hmm. really know what they're going to do. So it's just a really... Yeah, if you're someone who is into that type of film, I, I'd highly recommend it. Um, yeah. That'd be, yeah. What about you, Lise? I loved it, too. I had so much fun. As soon as the musical score happened at the beginning, because, of course, you guys know me. I love my musical scores. And it's by Howard Ashman. And he does, Howard Shore, sorry. He does such a good job. He did the Lord of the Rings score for anyone who wants to know what else he did. And he, this score is fabulous. As soon as I heard those opening notes, I'm like, oh. I'm going to enjoy this movie. <laughs> totally. <laughs> I thought the same through. thing. When whole they're running through. through the forest, yes. I was like, oh, oh, this is good. This is such a great show. Um, yeah. I still loved it. I still love the characters. I loved, even as we said, like, Barry the Blade is an obvious villain. The lawyers and the FBI agents and the police officers are interesting because they're not necessarily bad, but they're not great either. And so having that sort of nuance is very interesting. Watching it as a kid, still again as an adult, I quite enjoy seeing. I mean, for all that Tommy Lee Jones is an ass, he's a very talented ass. <laughs> totally. There's a reason he's in the position that he's in. Well, and, and he's quite charismatic. He's very charismatic and he can actually be quite funny at times and charming. And so I liked all the acting. Of course, Susan Sarandon's amazing. Mark Renfro does such a good Fred job. Renfro. Brad Renfro. Why did I say Mark Renfro? Because his name's Mark in the movie. I think that's why. I'm going to combine both. Mark, played by Brad Renfro, uh, does such a great job. This is actually his first role, and you wouldn't know it. This kid's so good in here. Um, The chemistry is great. The mystery is great. Absolutely. I'm with you. I recommend it. I actually, my instinct is to give it an eight right away, right off the bat, eight out of 10. Um, and I definitely would rewatch this and watch it again. Now that it's, yes. now that it's something that I love and I remember how much I love it, it's probably going to be one I'm going to watch multiple times in the future. Oh my gosh, how wonderful. I've rekindled. rekindled... You've rekindled my love of the client. Way to go. Right. Way to go. I actually that, you bought know... it on iTunes because it wasn't available on Amazon Prime or at ah. the library. It wouldn't come in time from the library. There were holds. And I was like, damn it. Um, you failed me, library system. Anyways, it's a lovely system. I love the library. So I'm like, well, maybe I'll just rent it off of iTunes. And I saw that it was only $12.99. And I was like, we're just going to buy it. 
<laughs> but I mean, I like that you already knew that you were going to buy it because totally. you knew you were going to like it. I knew it, I was going to like it. And I do. It's It does hold up. Like, I'd like to actually, you know, I want to know, I want to hear from mm-hmm. someone who watched the movie and didn't like it. And I want to, I want you to tell me why, mm. because I really, I don't know how you could dislike this movie. And I feel like that's not a nostalgia thing. I mean, like, it might not be your favorite. You might not love it, but like. To be like, oh, it's this not, isn't a good exactly. movie. Exactly, it's I'm a like, good movie. Yeah, no, it's a good movie. Like, I want to hear it, and then I want to tell you. You're wrong. <laughs> I want to explain why you're wrong and go point by point. Yeah. So I want to. I'm with rewatch Pauline. this with you and make you hate it more because I'm going to break down every scene anyway. until you finally admit. No, um, it's it's great. It's really well done. It has some very thrilling moments, very intense moments. As we said, the opening's intense. The chase scenes to the hospital. The ending's super intense. We actually haven't given away anything about the body for those of you guys who haven't oh. seen it that scene mm-hmm. as a kid I was on the edge of my seat I was like oh my god I hope everything turns out okay and it's it's just oh it's just a thrill to to watch and I mean I love crime and lawyer movies and it totally has some nostalgia for me but overall this is a really great crime movie this is one if you love crime movies if you love that sort of style you're going to really enjoy this one um, and you're going to appreciate the acting that's in it as well for sure so I I mean, we were quite little when we watched it, so I'm with Pauline, probably not for our age, maybe a bit older and watch it. Um, my friend, uh, I have a friend uh, who had seen it and she said that was the movie that had her fall in love with Susan Sarandon and loved her and everything oh, ever cute. after because she was just so impressive as a character. Um, and I highly agree. She's she's really quite great, guys. She so if you, really if is you, amazing. If you didn't watch it, if you haven't seen it yet, if you have an opportunity to watch it, Please do so. And then let us know, because we'd love to hear if you loved it. Or if you're one of those people who didn't, oh, you can engage yes. with Pauline and she'll tell you why you're wrong. No, but I would actually <laughs> genuinely like to hear it. I don't, I won't just tell you why you're wrong, but I want to know, because in my head, I'm like, I don't know how you can think this is not a good movie. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, that's a hard, hard bar. I mean, like, that's a pretty, mm-hmm. but I genuinely am like, you don't have to love it. But to say it's but not a good movie. to say it's not good is, that seems like hyperbole to me. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Awesome. Well, there you go, okay. guys. Your chance to engage with Pauline about the client. Um, You're welcome. What about quotes, Pauline? What quotes stood out for you in this? Oh, film? you know, and I, I expect a full Southern drawl when you're saying. Well, them. I'm definitely going to attempt it. <laughs> and so obviously, that's the thing. Apologies but... to anyone who's actually got a Southern drawl. Oh my um, goodness! So sorry. So sorry. <laughs> but in advance. but it's so fun it's and it's not so in a mocking fun. way. No, Just, it's like I love it. Genuinely loved how good their accents were. In the- film it was delightful oh man i love it great accent okay um lay it on me so uh one of them is okay Mm, 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 mm. (laughs) um okay so one of the things that i feel like needs to be clarified from the uh from the podcast name of this episode is how amazing the secretary is the receptionist is at this lawyer's office Mm. um when mark shows up and so for anyone who doesn't recall from the (laughs) from the trivia sode, she said he basically shows up to talk to this lawyer and she's on the phone and she's like can i help you i'm here to see mr beale and then it's, then she where are your parents where are yours <laughs> where well, are, are you yours? even well are you even injured do i look injured well we only do injuries well i guess i'll just go get hit by a truck and come back and he leaves <laughs> And then she's on the phone and says, y'all can shut up too. <laughs> I was like, this is 
awesome. I want a job where I can just behave that way. Just I kidding, know. I don't. But I like, actually would love to have that type of job where you're allowed to just be like, hush up. Yeah, like hush. <laughs> now hush. And that's what his mom says. To his him mom's, all the time. you just sit down and hush, and you're like, mm, I'd hush you. up. And she's so mad. <laughs> okay, what's one? What's one for you? Uh, one for me is when so. Um, when you first see how good Reggie actually is, Mark Sway has been pulled into this meeting with uh, Reverend Roy and a whole bunch of these lawyers and the FBI and uh, the police officer and stuff. And he's all by himself. He's a minor who's been pulled in. His mom's nowhere around. And so what Reggie has done, unbeknownst to the audience, is she's put a wire on him so that he can ask questions like, do I need a lawyer? And they tell him, no, lawyers are just a pain in the ass. And he asks repeatedly. And basically it's proof that they are acting well without the boundaries of the law and that they don't provide an attorney when he asks for one, like all sorts of trouble. Anyway, so she comes back in, she explains what she's done. They realize she's kind of this powerhouse. And as she's leaving, as she's handing out her business Mm. cards to them, she says, um, and if I need anything from you boys like the truth, well, I expect to get it. (laughs) It's really satisfying. It's so satisfying because they're so dismissive when she first comes into the room. They're like, I think you're in the wrong room. And she's like, "Uh, no, I don't believe I am. Um, And then she basically asks to see like all of their identification. Like she's very smart and it's great. She puts them in her place, but she does it in a very sweet way. And it's really lovely. And she basically just asks questions. They'll they'll be like, "Um, when did he hire you? Well, that's not really relevant. And it's like, and then, or they'll say something else, and they're like, "Well, I don't think that's any of your business." And I'm like, "Yes, I want write these down. These write these down. I want to say these questions. I don't want to answer. Totally. What's yeah, another one? For pretty you? great. Um, okay, so um, this is one that Mark has when he's hiring Reggie for mm-hmm. the first time. She's like, "Why do you want a lawyer?" I don't want a lawyer. I hate lawyers. Every lawyer I ever had shafted me and my mom. I said I need a lawyer. And I just really mm-hmm. love the attitude. And that distinction. I love. He's very clear. He's like, I don't <laughs> want a lawyer. I need a lawyer. And then she's like, you're right. You do need a lawyer, Mark Sway. And it's great. It's a great scene. I love it so much. Um, Lisa. One of my favorites is actually from Mark's mother. Mm. And it's when, so Mark has been arrested, right? As we said, he's been incarcerated, um, even though technically he's not, he's still in a prison. He's had to go through the trial. And now he's, as I said, he fakes a medical injury in order to a medical emergency in order to be taken to the hospital because he knows that he's in trouble. And and basically he can't go through the court system and he needs to find a different solution to his problem and being incarcerated isn't going to help. And then he escapes at the hospital and starts wandering around and basically phones ready to come pick him up. And basically uh, the lawyer, so Reverend Roy and his little FBI goons and his uh, lawyers are basically going to talk to the mom and they're like asking her all these questions about where Mark is. And she she just, she just has the best response where finally she's just had enough and she goes, hell, y'all the FBI, since you got involved, our trailer's been blowed up, my boy's been thrown in jail, and now he's missing. So let me tell you something. Act like the FBI. You find him. <laughs> and then she shuts then the door in their the door. faces. Mm. And it's so great because she's had to put up with their bullshit all this time. And she can finally tell them to basically just go to hell. And it's lovely. It's really lovely. It really is. Mm. It's very satisfying. You feel it. Mm-hmm. You also would want to tell them the same thing. And it's totally. pretty sweet. Yeah, I had that one written down too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I like when 
So Mark wants to lie on the stand. Mark doesn't want to tell anybody anything. And Reggie's just really trying to emphasize that he can't do that. And he's, mm-hmm. he's just like them if he does that and all of these things. And, and so he's talking about the witness protection program and how he's yes. like, seen it on TV. And then the TV and what I saw, the mob find them anyway. And he blows the guy's legs off. And Reggie's just like, you saw that on TV? <laughs> there's, a, just... there's just a lot that Mark will just toss out. Either because he's seen it on TV or he's like heard about it or whatever. And it's great. And that's just the best moment because he said st- similar kind of stuff. But I just love that you're right. This moment of what? You saw, like you saw that? that? How yeah. old are you? <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> it's just her reaction. was like, and they found him anyway. And they blew his legs off. You saw that on TV? <laughs> like, it was like a, a genuine a reaction. <laughs> like, it was just like a, wait, pause a sec. What? Uh, so that was good. Amazing. Okay. One more? One, One more, sure. Why not? Um, okay. So I'm, Pauline and I mentioned previously in the episode that there's a judge we quite like. So there's this judge who runs his own courtroom in a very professional way. He's a lovely judge. He's no nonsense. Um, he basically puts Reverend Roy and his buddies in their place to be respectful in this court. He kicks out the annoying police officer you don't like because he treats Mark. Like, as a kid, I'm like, this judge is the best. And Totally. At one point, he basically um, informs the Reverend Roy and his team that there are rules they have to follow and these are the rules rule one you will speak when spoken to rule two do not give his honor an unsolicited commentary (laughs) rule number three his honor does not like to listen to the voices of U.S. attorneys who love to hear themselves speak Are we clear on the rules, gentlemen? gentlemen. Love it. Love it. It's just the way he says it. Who love to hear themselves speak. And you can tell it just puts him in his place. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. And because he's clearly had to deal with these acting U.S. Showboating, arrogant attorneys. Wanting the media, the the bank of microphones bullshit with all the press. And in the same scene, I will just add in, Mm -hmm. it's so funny because we mentioned he's called Reverend Roy Fulton because he quotes the Bible. So he, he talks talks about how he's he stands up and he in court when mark isn't telling them and he claims the fifth amendment he's just like now listen we're all tired of this like a man is dead another man's killed himself we need to get to the bottom of what's happening here and this young man isn't allowing it to happen and then he says something he says lion lips are an abomination to the lord so says the psalm so says the psalm and then (laughs) judge roosevelt is uh that's proverbs 12 22 and this is a courtroom (laughs) not a church sit down and he's constantly telling them to sit down he tells his like his buddy who's also a lawyer who's like think oh i love think played by so cool um oh yeah yes and anyways he he basically he stands up and interrupts when he's first in the courtroom and stands and starts making this big uh speech pronouncement and he tells him to sit down and keep his butt in his chair it's great and he's like and you want him to be your co-counselor you want him to be in charge he's like yes he's like well He's like, if you'll allow it, I will just try and keep his butt in the chair. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's so satisfying. <laughs> All right. What's your final quote, Pauline? Oh, I get one more. Okay. Okay. Because you, um, you pick the movie, my... you get to have the final quote. Oh, okay. You know what? <laughs> okay. So this is one from Reggie. Mm. So it's uh, after, it's after, uh, as Lisa had already mentioned, Mark's way has called Reggie at her house. And she is off to go pick him up because he is broken out of jail and he's in the hospital and she needs to go collect him. And she's like, she's like, 
okay, I'm going to, she's whispering because the police are outside because they're waiting for him to show up at her house. And so she's whispering on the phone and she's explaining that she's like, okay, um, I'll meet you up front in the dark gray Honda and hangs up the phone. And her assistant, who we already mentioned earlier, he's like, <laughs> bye, dark gray Honda. And she's just like, come on, give me your keys. I need to go. Like, she's like, I got to get going. And he's like, oh, okay. And he's, he's like, you'll be disbarred. This is a bad idea. You'll lose your license. <laughs> this is aiding and abetting. Like, he's just kind of telling her all these logical, reasonable things. And she's like, I need some money. And he's like, oh, come on, Reg. This is my rent money. And she says, I know, but you can stay with Mama Love. She likes you more. And she likes you better anyway. And he's like, that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> but you can live with Mama Love. She loves you better anyways. Oh, that well, wouldn't, wouldn't be hard. Be hard. <laughs> it's really satisfying. So again, a really good Southern. Oh, oh I southern love drawl. it so, so much. Great. It's so good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that There you guys go. That's the client. We both <sighs> loved it. We both recommend it. We say it's got Definitely. great performances. You guys haven't watched it. Check it out. Thank you, you so, so much for listening to this episode, guys. Um, since you are listening, you can always give us a little review and rate us five stars on whatever platform you're listening, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Anchor. Um, we also have an email address. You can email us at real dot window at gmail.com uh, if you want to let us know about in detail about any movies you love or any movies you wish we'd do or any movies or if you didn't favorite, like the client or if you didn't like the client and would like to just have Pauline shoot you back an email about that uh, you certainly can uh, we're also on Twitter we're on Instagram uh, at real window uh, please let us know what you thought of this one again uh, keep giving us those likes those subscriptions because then we know you're enjoying this and hopefully other people will find this podcast too uh next week it's my turn to pick i already have a movie in mind i'm very Ooh. excited for this one mm. so hopefully you and pauline enjoy my pick too uh catch you next time guys mm -hmm.